So we are in our fourth week of Advent. This is our last Sunday of Advent. We have one more candle up here, and I'll talk about that here in a second, but let's revisit the candles. We've got two little stations over here. We've got this one and that one. But our very first week, do you remember what it was? I'll give you a hint. It was about the prophets looking forward to the coming of Messiah. So that week was about hope, 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 hope. And we remember the great passage from Isaiah looking ahead to the Messiah, to this child that was going to come. And it used these titles that are amazing. Do you remember? It said, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Those were the titles that were being put on this child to come. Now, a lot of people read that and they try to make it make sense with it being the whole nation of Israel, some servant to come, that it's not really uh, a per- I mean, if you think about it, there's only one person that could fulfill all of those things. It would have to be somebody who was perfect and God, but still a person. The only one that could fulfill that, the only one that that hope made sense for was Jesus, the God-man. And that's kind of a strange title, right? I mean, we live in the age of the superheroes where we read comic books and we go watch movies and now there's shows and we're all about this. So I think sometimes we, uh, we don't really realize that Jesus is the only superhero that's ever truly walked the earth. He was the God-man. He was completely God, completely man. He is completely God, completely man. He will forever be completely God and completely man. And he came and people, I mean, listen, it's hard for us to to be in this mindset because he's already come for us and he's going to come again. But these prophets were looking forward to when the Messiah would come and that he really would be the wonderful counselor, that he really would be mighty God, that he would really, really would be the everlasting father, the one that provides, and he really would be the prince of peace. So that was our first week. We were talking about the prophets, and they were looking forward to it. And in a way, we are a little bit similar in that we are looking forward to with great hope for what? The second coming, right? Yeah. We, that's, that's, that's what Advent is, right? Advent is, it comes from that Latin word that means the coming, and we're looking forward to his second coming back. And it's going to be very different than the first. I love the nativity scene, all right? The crush. It's so, it's awesome. I love it. Uh, we have like a blow up one, and I almost, every year we do it in front of our house, I'm like, this is too cutesy. I don't think this is really capturing what this is all about, but it's better than nothing, right? But we have it, and I, and I, and I love it. But when he comes a second time, it will not be like that. I hope you know that. When Jesus comes again, the whole world is stopped. Everything will be put to an end, and he will make all things new. And it will be a sight to behold. And for those of us on his side, and what do I mean by on his side? That we believe in him? Man, that's going to be the start of a forever party. I see some tired faces in the room right now. You've had a tired week, it looks like. see some tired faces. And some of his parents, it's only going to get worse. When he comes again, no more tired. No more pain. No need for a mask or hand sanitizer ever again. Right? No need for a vaccine. Oh, forever party. Well, the next week was what? We talked about the prophets 
And then we talked about, do you remember? The angels came and they were giving a message of what? Peace. It was Joyce too. You're right. But about peace. Remember they said, and peace on earth. Man, I don't know about you, but I need that. I need some peace in my life. But I hope you also know, and this is true, and those of us, uh, if we are paying attention to our history, we know that peace always comes at a cost. Always. Always. There's always a battle or a fight for peace. And there was a great cost for our peace. God became a man. He became one of us. And no matter how great you may think you are, for God to become like us, uh, C.S. Lewis, it'd be like us thinking about coming a slug. Can you imagine becoming a slug? No. No. But he did that for us to bring peace. And even in a tumultuous time, in a crazy time, we inside can know that we are people of peace because we know the end. And when you know the end, and you know that, that, that God is victorious in the end and that we're part of that victory, then we can make it through the tumultuous times. All right. After that, what was the next week? This was last week. The shepherds were filled with Joy, not happiness, joy. So they heard this great message, and how did they respond? How did the shepherds respond? They went and told everybody. Now listen, shepherds were not considered high-class individuals, okay? All right? They weren't considered the cream of the crop. But yet God chose them to send his angels to tell, and then they went and told a bunch of people. So listen, you may not be where you want to be at your job or live where you want to live or whatever. That's okay. Because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, the doctor came for who? The sick. And what's inferred in that passage is that everybody's sick. But there are people who think they're not. And if you aren't willing to go to the hospital and get medication and you just think you're okay, that ain't going to work. You got to realize that you need that good medicine. And here, the shepherds, this lowly people, received this great message, and they were excited. And what do they want to do? Tell everybody. They were filled with joy. And joy is the great medication for us because it's not tied to circumstances, our pastor tells us all the time. Remember, happy comes from what? Happenstance. It's what's happening to you. And right now, things are happening to us that don't make us feel very happy. But we can be filled with joy. I can be filled with joy even when I'm sick because, again, what do we know? I know the end. I can be filled with joy when I'm looking at what my kids want for Christmas and I look at my bank account and I know it's not going to happen. I'm glad you're laughing because that's not funny to me. I hate that. I hate that. I hate that. I know what all my kids want. And some of it I can get for them and I don't think I'm going to. But other things I want to get for them and I can't, you know? And I hate that feeling. Hate it. But you know what? Doesn't matter. It's joy. It's about what's really important. And man, I know the end. You know the end. We know the end. We know what's going to happen. There's victory. And so I can be filled with joy. I can be filled with joy even when the weather doesn't cooperate with what I'm doing. Even when all of these kids are doing this or this happens, I can be filled with joy because it's not about what's happened. It's what about it's already happened and what I know is going to happen. So that's, that's, that, that's helpful for us to get through. And then that brings us to this week, this week. And it's the testimony of the wise men, the magi. We say three kings. There weren't three and they weren't kings. 
We don't know how many there were, okay? But the word is magi. And probably these are Gentile pagan astrologers. How cool is God that he talked to them in a unique way? And what's their testimony? What is the thing that we remember about them? They gave. Why? Out of love. This is the week of love. Uh, in fact, go ahead. One more slide there, Jacob. I think the very next one says uh, kind of the theme. Yeah, Christmas is a time of giving because God gave his only son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. That is true love. And we read that, well, many places, but first, uh, John 4.10. I'll read that for us real quick. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Whoa, that's a big word. That's, a, that's more than one syllable. What does it mean? God gave us Jesus so that when his blood was spilled, it counted for us. The great atoning work of Jesus. That's amazing stuff right there. You might have been given a good gift. Everybody think of the best gift you've ever been given. Think about it. I've got a lot that I'm trying to process through. I remember as a, man, I was probably five. I got this G.I. Joe thing, and it was like this huge, almost tank. It had like six wheels. And it was cool because out of it came two ballistic missiles. I'm not sure what they were trying to teach us as little kids, but out of two, two ballistic missiles, right? Nuclear warheads. And they had little bitty missiles that came out of that. And then out of that was this ramp where this little bitty vehicle came out of. And man, when you're a kid, when things come inside of other things and it's like bonus toys, like it doesn't matter what it is. You're like, whoa, bonus, this is extra, this is amazing. I remember that. In fact, I think it was the same year that my parents got me this blue bike, blue and gold bike. And I didn't give a rip about that bike. I was only, and that probably cost 10 times more than this little G.I. Joe thing. I didn't care. I love that little G.I. Joe thing. Do you got a gift in mind? you got it? Does anybody have a gift that they've been given in mind? Okay. Maybe it was a, a time, maybe not even at Christmas. Maybe it was somebody, uh, your first car in here. Maybe somebody in here was given their first car or you were given a jewelry from somebody that loved you or, or whatever. I don't know what it is, but I'm betting that that gift was not able to give you eternal life. I don't know where that G.I. Joe thing is at. It's probably in pieces at the bottom of a landfill. I have no idea. No idea. But the great gift of God in Christ, of propitiation to, to pay for my sins. Man, what a gift. What a gift. Now, I was about to ask if any of you have been to jail, but I don't want to make you feel bad in here, okay? <laughs> and I know some of you have. We got crooks up in here. They're reformed, we hope. We hope, we hope. Wow, just calling out your husband right there, man. This ain't right. Golly. It's true, though. No, I'm joking. But here's the thing, man. If you've ever been in a tough spot, like you owe a bunch of money, a fine, or you've got to go sit out jail, can you imagine if somebody said, you know what? I'll sit in jail for you. I'll pay that fine for you. That's amazing. But yet this is even more amazing. We deserve the worst. We deserve death, but God gives us life through the great gift of his son. That's amazing. That's amazing. And that's why Christmas is Christmas. Now let's, 
Let's dive a little bit more into the story of the wise men. This is going to be a short message today, probably the shortest I've ever delivered. And uh, yeah, there should have been more amens there, but that's cool. That's cool. It's all right. It's all right. I appreciate that encouragement, Heather. All right, let's look at the Gospel of Matthew as you're alone in that. Um, let's go to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 2. Uh, by the way, we've been reading through the Gospel of Matthew every morning in the back at 9.30. We have the next two weeks off. There is not Bible study the next two Sundays, okay? There is karate this Tuesday, but there is not Bible study, um, and there is not, ooh, I, th- I think there's not Bible study. I'll let Daryl tell you that later. I don't think there is. But I know there's not uh, Sunday morning uh, Bible study the next two weeks. But we've been in Matthew. We read this. Man, how long has it been, Anthony? We said we, we said we'd get through Matthew in probably eight weeks. It's been eight months, and we're still not there. But that's, listen, that's just because this, the teacher doesn't know what he's doing. All right, so chapter two. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod, the king, heard this, he was troubled. Why do you think? Because he's a king and he just heard that from people out of town says, hey, a new king was born. Herod's like, I didn't know that. He was troubling all Jerusalem with him. Verse four, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will be shepherd, who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 7. Then Herod summoned the wise men, the Magi, secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Verse 9. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest of the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, not the stable, because this was after that, came to the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is one of the most fascinating passages in the New Testament. We have these astrologers from some distant land in the east. See some star, we have no idea what it is. And listen, if you try to go and you know read a horoscope hoping to figure something out about you know the next king to be born around the world, you're not going to find much, okay? I highly recommend that you don't do that. This is one of those things in the Bible. You know when you read about Jesus walking on water, you're like, I got a swimming pool, let's try this out. This is one of those things where only Jesus does. This is one of those stars that only happened once. You're not going to see it again. This isn't like, oh, this is the North Star or this is over the... No. By the way, brief aside, it's weird. I am running into more and more people that are taking stock in their astrological symbol than I ever have before. It's weird. Like a lot of people. Like what I mean is I'm meeting people and their, their first question is, what's your name? Their second question is, what's your sign? And I'm like, this is weird. And what's really weird is I couldn't remember for the longest. I 
think I know my sign because somebody told me, but I'm not really sure. I just want to let you in on something, okay? I want to give you an early Christmas present, all right? I didn't wrap it. I hope you're not offended. But that's garbage. It's garbage. And if that sounds harsh, that's actually me putting it in a nice way. Because it has no stock and no say in your life. It means absolutely nothing. It's worse than nothing. It smells bad. It belongs in the trash. Therefore, hence, it should be called garbage. Your God and your decision makings have control on who you are. Not some arbitrary date. I'm sorry. So what's your symbol? Make up something. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Okay. My symbol is dog. Is there a dog one? Is there? I don't know. Is there, there is a dog one? All right, then don't say that one. Come up with another, well, a plat, say your platypus. Make that your sign. Say your platypus or something weird like that, okay? Because it doesn't mean anything. But here's how cool God is. Here's how amazing God is. If you're into astrology, he will mess your world up and give you a symbol that will bring him back to him. Because that's what happened here, man. This is amazing. These people are not from Israel. They're not Jewish. They are people that are not studying the Hebrew Bible. But something shows up, and by the work of the Spirit of God, they knew that that weird symbol in the sky meant that a new king had come to the Jews. That's crazy. But what's even more crazy is how they respond. This is not their king, ethnically speaking. They're not Jewish people. But yet they thought that it was proper, and you got to remember the times, okay? They didn't jump on, into their station wagon and get on the interstate. They had to either walk or ride a beast very far into strange territory. And what are they carrying with them? Valuable things. This is not something you do in that time at all. It's dangerous. Why did they do it? Because they felt compelled to go and worship. That's crazy love. That's crazy love. I don't understand that. I mean, here you and I, we have it easy. And I mean, God, we just talk out to God. I mean, Jesus is, I mean, it, you know, what does John 4, 24 say? God is spirit and his worshipers, uh, spirit, uh, his worshipers worship him in spirit and truth. I mean, that's, we have this easy access. They had to go hundreds of miles across dangerous territory to a group of people that are not like themselves. And they ended up going to probably this small little bitty house that probably didn't look like royalty was there. And what did they do? They worshiped a child. If that sounds weird, it should sound weird. That's weird. And then they presented to this child, this probably at that point, he's one or two years old. The wise men wouldn't have been there when he was right, but it took them a while to get there. Okay. And it says they came to a house. You got to be careful. It's still nice, though. I mean, if you want to have, you know, the Magi there, that's cool. Whatever. Just know the truth. So they, sh they show up, and here is this probably small, very humble home with this little bitty, little bitty kid. And they present valuable things to him because that's love. Listen, we can throw around all these terms, and we talk about worship a lot in here. And worship is not necessarily, you know, we have a worship team, and they help us uh, uh, come into a, a, a time of worship. But that's not only worship. 
You can worship at your job. You can worship at home. You can worship as you drive. Worship is giving worth and value to something. And if you're not worshiping God, you're worshiping something. We all worship. Where do you give your time, your money, your thoughts, your resources? What is important to you, right? That's what you worship. These magi, it was very clear. They put their money where their faith was. They worshiped. How? They got down and they worshiped and then they gave valuable gifts. And what you, what helps us understand how amazing this is, is they were just in the company of an actual earthly king. And what did they do with that earthly king? They didn't worship. They didn't give gifts. They asked for directions. Think about that for a moment. They were in the presence, they were at a palace with someone who was dressed very well, who was surrounded by servants. And they said, we saw a sign of the king. Where is he? Can you imagine the audacity, the courage it took to do that? Can you imagine going up to royalty and say, where's the other king? Isn't that crazy? And how they responded, they had this man, mighty, earthly king and this little bitty boy in a house. And one, they got down on their hands and knees and worshiped. One, they gave valuable gifts for. One, they risked traveling halfway across the world for. That's love. Love is a lot of things, but we see it in giving. And we see it here. And in this time, you know, I, listen, you come to a church, you're going to expect this message, all right? So I'm sorry, it's somewhat predictable, but it's no less true and it's no less needed. And the simple message is this, Christmas is a time of giving, but who are you giving to and why are you giving? What's the motive? What's the point? Listen, if we're giving gifts because we're celebrating the great coming of the God-man who came to die for our sins to save the world, man, we should be giving gifts sing songs, do what, do all of these fun things. It's crazy to me. I've got, I'm a principal now, right? I'm an assistant principal, assistant to the principal. All right. <laughs> the Dwight Schrute of my, of my school. And, uh, it's weird in many ways. Okay. So my, my wife and my mother-in-law were very gracious and they helped bake some goods so I could give to some of my teachers. Right. And yeah, I didn't do a thing. I just, I just wrapped it and said, here you go. I really didn't. I didn't do a whole lot. Um, I cut the brownies, okay? I made them rectangles. It's impressive. Yeah, thank you, sir. Appreciate that. So I did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Appreciate the sarcasm. Um, may you all get a lump of coal. But I have to tell these people happy holidays, which is good. Listen, listen, listen. I'm not one of these. If, if you don't know, you tell them happy holidays. That's fine. It's fine, because there's lots of different things. In fact, I have a, a teacher of mine who celebrates Hanukkah, and I was like, I made sure to say Happy Hanukkah, because it's an awesome, by the way, if you don't know anything about Hanukkah, look it up, read about it. It's an awesome time to celebrate. Really cool history there, okay? But I kept having to say, I was like, you know, and by the way, just another real quick aside, you know Christmas is actually a national holiday. We only have 10, and it's one of them. So if you tell somebody Merry Christmas, it's like saying Happy, you know, Independence Day. Well, I don't believe in the July 4th. It doesn't matter. You're still off of work. Have a good one. You know, it's just that same thing. So you can tell somebody Merry Christmas like I'm an atheist. Like, yeah, but you're off of work. Merry Christmas. Have a fun day. You know, it's a national holiday. All right. The banks are closed. Mail's not being delivered. It's a national holiday. All right. Enough of that.
But so I say happy holidays, but the whole time I'm sitting here thinking we have two weeks off because 2000 years ago, the God man came. That's why we're doing this. That's why we're doing this because it doesn't make sense. Any other reason, whatever we're doing, whatever you think you're doing and the Santa Claus and all that stuff, that's not why you have two weeks off of school. That's not why you're trying to take all this vacation. Maybe it's morphed into that and that's sick and disgusting and something that a church has to work on, but that's not why it's there. It's there because the God man came to die on the cross for your sins and for mine so that we may be forgiven and live with God for eternity. That's worth celebrating. That's worth taking time off for. Yeah? So we need to be reminded of that. We need to be reminded that this is about love and the way that we show love is by giving. And yeah, it may be a present that we put under the tree, but, it's, but it should be more than that. And so my question is, what are you giving and who are you giving it to? Am I gonna give gifts to my kids? Yes. Do they deserve it? Not a chance. <laughs> Not a chance. No, no, and more no. And I could list many reasons why. But you know what? Do I deserve the beautiful, precious blood of the lamb? No, no, no. Man, I've done at least 100 things today that makes me worthy of hell. And yet, the God-man who, you know, sweet little precious baby Jesus, and somehow because he becomes this man, it, it, it's, we, we don't see it as, as, as jarring, but it should be jarring. And I'm going to say something, and it's going to hit you hard, and it's going to hit you wrong, and I, don't wanna, and I almost don't want to say it. But the same little baby that's there, the same baby that's going to get nailed to a tree, it's the same being. He's just as innocent, just as pure, just as great, just as beautiful, just as worthy of anything but that heinous, disgusting thing. But he did it, what he did it, why? Because love is giving. Love is sacrifice. And it cost something. So my, my kids aren't worthy of presents. But I'm not worthy. Do I give them everything they want? No. God doesn't give me everything I want either. And amen for that, right? Thinking about all the gifts my kids want. Like, I mean, you know, Jubilee would love a car. We don't need to see Jubilee drive a car right now. You know, we don't need to see that. Asher would love a gun. Not a good idea right now. You know, not a good idea right now. Maybe the right gun and right supervision, but still for the most part, no. So loving is giving. And that's pretty much the message. In this time of Advent, in this time of celebrating Christmas, you're gonna give gifts, you're gonna give gifts, and it's cool, it's fun, it's great. There's nothing wrong with it. We've got a Christmas tree. It's fake, but we got a Christmas tree in my home. Rachel and I really debated long and hard about if we're gonna have a Christmas tree. We're like, ah, we'll have a Christmas tree, all right? But then Rachel got this really cool print. It's beautiful, it's awesome. I don't know where she got it, and she got a great deal on it. And it's Mary, and it's Joseph, and it's the baby Jesus. And guess what? It's a lot higher than that, than that tree, and it needs to be, and it's gonna stay that way. Okay, because I want my kids to know, I want your kids to know, I want to remember, I want you to remember that the reason we're celebrating all of this, the reason for all of these things, for Elf on the Shelf, Santa on a Fanta, whatever you're saying, whatever we're doing uh, for watching these, all that stuff, all of these great distractions from the very simple truth that the God-man came because he loves, that the great gift of God is one of love, and it cost him dearly, but that's how much he loves you. And so let us never forget that, okay? Let us not be distracted from that, all right? Now, in closing, actually, I think we're going to close there. I'm not going to do that other thing. 
I'm not going to do that other thing. Um, yeah. So I have two important questions for you. What are you giving? Who are you giving? Actually, let's make it three. What are you giving? Who are you giving to? But why are you giving? And I would hope that in this time, you can do some self-reflection. You want some next steps? Here it is. You need to do some self-reflection. Is the great gift of Jesus, that propitiation, him dying for your sins so that you and I might have a path to, to God, is that a reality for you? Are you remembering that? Are you celebrating that? Are you thankful to God? So thankful that it causes you to act? Think about it. The wise men were, were, were motivated. They were compelled to cross this great land and to give something of value. By the way, they risked their own lives because they were warned in a dream, so they went a different way. They, Herod could have come after them. Are you motivated and compelled to love other people because of the God-man's love for you? Are you motivated and compelled to sacrifice? Have you told anybody about this great gift of God that is Jesus? Have you told anybody? And saying Merry Christmas isn't it, by the way. That's like a political grenade, you know? I got the pastor on that one. <laughs> that doesn't always work. But yeah, but what is it? What are you doing to give to others? Are you loving God? What are you giving to him? Are you loving people? What are you giving to people? What are you giving to them? Remember, the Bible says it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. I can think of my mother sitting right here, my father, my wife who just sacrifices all the time, all of these people who have given me all of these things and it cost them money and it cost them time and it was hard to do and it was frustrating. Why'd they do it? Because they love me. What are you doing for God? What are you doing for others? Love is a sacrifice. It's giving. And sometimes it, it's, it costs a great deal. You know what's really cool, though? The great gift that's given to all people, the sacrifice of Christ, you didn't have to give that. He did. You can just tell people about it. It's pretty cool. It's an amazing gift. It's like he bought it and wrapped it and just handed it to you and said, go give it to somebody. That's pretty cool. Didn't cost you a thing. What are you giving? Who are you giving it to? Why are you giving it? Give all your presents, but don't forget why we're celebrating. Self-reflect. Where's your faith? Are we really people of hope, of peace, of joy, and of love? If so, we should be showing it and giving it. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your great, great gift of your son. I pray that we are following the lead of the wise men, that we are willing to risk a great deal to participate in your work, your saving work. We can't be there next to the manger or in that little home, but we are here now and can be a part of the great work to save the world. We can start by how we love our family, our friends, our coworkers. Help us to know what to give. And it's not presence, Father. Help us to know how to speak, how to sacrifice, how to serve, how to be kind, how to be people of peace, hope, and joy, and love by what we give to others and ultimately what we are willing to give to you. The sacrifices that you have made for us. Father, help, help the great sacrifice of Jesus motivate us to sacrifice for others. That is our prayer in Jesus' name, amen.